0: large range of fixed and replaceable blade knives and game cleaning kits now imagine this you just shot a deer in the backcountry or an elk or uh, whatever and it's time to break it down right it's hot you're a long way from the truck so time is a factor and you got to get the meat back to the truck so there's no waste your blade becomes dull so instead of having to stop and sharpen the blade all you do is you take your outdoor edge knife you push a button on the handle the blade pops out you put a new blade back in and you're back to work get back to the truck there's no wasted meat everybody wins now if you want to find out more information about outdoor edge and their complete line of knives and game cleaning kits all you have to do is go to outdooredge.com and when you check out or you decide you want to purchase a knife enter the discount code NATION30 and you're going to save 30% off of your purchase. That's NATION30 and that's OutdoorEdge.com.
1: Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host Parker McDonald and this is episode number 86 and today on the show we've got Josh Bell as our third local legend and we're going to talk about a lot about the state that he hunts which is Arkansas but we're also going to cover how he has shortened the learning curve for himself to hunting public land something I think you guys will all find value in so sit back and enjoy the show and welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm really excited about this episode. We've got um, a local legend. His name is Josh Bell. He's actually our youngest local legend that we have ever had, uh, which is pretty cool. He's a super young guy. He's probably, I think he said he's 35 years old. Um, Not the typical local legend guest that we would normally have, and I'll tell you why. Uh, A lot of people recommended him. Um, I put on an Arkansas page... um, Basically what we're doing uh, with the Local legend series that said, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. Does anybody have any recommendations? And I got several private messages saying, hey, you need to talk to Josh Bell. Um, he's always on Bucks is pretty much exactly what they said. So I reached out to Josh, and, uh, and it didn't take me long to realize that he's not been doing the public land thing for a very long time. But one of the things that Josh has done very effectively is shortening that learning curve to – getting on bucks consistently on public land, something I thought everybody that listens to this could probably find some value in. I know a lot of you guys are younger and you're just starting out. Maybe you're not young, but you're just starting with the whole public land idea. Um, We talk about a lot of that in this episode, just the things that maybe held, um, I know for me uh, especially and Josh as well, things that held us back, some some of the common misconceptions that we That we heard about public land hunting for a long time until we finally decided to uh, step off that ledge, I guess you could say. So, uh, me and Drew had a good time talking with Josh. I know you guys are going to enjoy that. I wanted to tell you, real quick, before we get into this episode, um, to go check out screegear.com and you can use the code SouthernGround at checkout and it will save you 15%. I actually just put in another order um, that I'm super excited about. Actually, I'm going to be basically finishing my complete kit. Uh, From Scree Gear and I'm really excited about that you guys can expect a couple of video reviews on this YouTube channel on the Southern Ground Hunting YouTube channel Um, You can expect those reviews uh, pretty soon. I'm going to do them as as soon as I can maybe not on the um, New stuff that I'm getting but definitely on the old stuff that I used all season last season I do not think you guys would be disappointed at all by uh, This Scree Gear it is awesome stuff very practical and uh, let me tell you the thing that I have found value in for me as a a deer hunter, but not only that, but as a a public land deer hunter and a guy that I would consider to be um, somewhat of a grinder. I feel like I grind every single time and I try to sit for long hours as much as I possibly can. And to be able to do that, you really have to have the apparel and the gear to to be able to withstand that and withstand some elements. And uh, I feel like with scree gear for me, it has been the perfect choice um, because not only is it effective and um, good quality gear, but it's also not that expensive. So you guys can go to Screegear.com, check out what you got there, and and if you if you want to buy something awesome, um, you can use that code SouthernGround at checkout, and it will save you 15%. So uh, a lot of you guys are getting ready. I know I am. I'm getting jacked up about the season, and uh, I've bought a lot of gear, more gear than I need. I've Kind of like dove into this like, whatever heavy arrow setup thing, and I've been trying to get my bow tuned and bear shaft tuned, and watching all the Ranch Fairy videos that I possibly can, and uh, it's been it's been pretty intimidating. And um, but I'm learning a lot. I'm I feel like I'm doing a good job with it, just as far as being able to uh, um, figure things out kind of as I go, and talking to some people that. Uh, I respect that. Really know their way around the bow pretty well. So, I'm really excited about that. I know you guys are getting super jacked up. Season starts, um, for some people, at the end of this month. Uh, the guys we talked to, or the guy we talked to last week, Ryan Carter, his season starts like at the end of the month down in South Florida. So, if you're listening to this and you have got a season coming up, man, I just want to say good luck. I hope everything is coming together well. I hope you guys have been scouting. hope you've been uh, preparing for it and getting all the right gear that you need. And I think it's going to be a great season, but uh, we'll be finished with this with this intro. I just wanted to uh, take a minute to say that, man, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Thank you for the, everything that you've done, even with starting our own YouTube channel now and kind of uh, separating from the Sportsman's Nation YouTube. Um, separates kind of a—it's not really the right word because it was—it was a good separation. It wasn't—it wasn't ugly or bad at all. Um, but man, just the amount of support that we've seen through that. Um, on subscribers but I did want to let you guys know if you haven't already go subscribe to the youtube channel and you'll be entered to win a tethered phantom saddle we're going to give away at the end of the local legends series so go and check that out all you got to do is subscribe and uh, yeah just search southern ground hunting on youtube and you'll find it so let's get into this episode with mr josh bell for part three of local legends All right, with us right now, we have got this week's local legend. We've got Josh Bell from Arkansas with us. How's it going, man? It's going good. Life is good. How are y'all?
2: We are doing good, man. Fantastic. Hot, but I mean, that's it's hot everywhere right yeah, now. Yeah, it is so. warm.
1: It is warm. Actually, Josh, if you're watching this video right now, guys, Josh looks like he is very heated right now to the to the point where he decided not to wear clothing to this interview. He, he
2: actually looks like he just got done with a the pump there at the gym <laughs> honestly. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> so That's
1: awesome. Listen, I'm uh, I'm just going to throw this out there in no homo that if I if I had that look and that physique I would probably dress the same way. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No homo. Yeah, course. the last time I looked like that, I think I was in 3rd grade.
1: So. <laughs> I would never looked like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about that though, because yeah, we are. Uh, we are. because part of the stuff that you really do and uh, the things that you're really pushing are um, fitness and things like that, and uh, just things that I think are really you know important for for guys to be able to hear and maybe be able to learn something from you on that on that note. But dude, so you are in Arkansas, and you're actually our second guest probably in the month mm-hmm. of Arkansas. Yeah. It's a state that we have not covered much in the past, but we're covering it. Um, a little more often right now. There's kind of a good it deer up. there. And, and, and it seems to me like Arkansas is um, one of those states that nobody really thinks about. I wouldn't necessarily call it a sleeper state, but it's not a state that people think, oh, man, that's a great place for public land. It's a great place yeah. for big bucks. But it seems to be the case. Is that pretty true there? You know, I
3: think it is. I think a lot of people think about Arkansas, and the thing that comes to everybody's mind is ducks. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's hiding in the shadow of duck hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that seems to be the what I gather from a lot of people. I haven't hunted anywhere else, but you don't really see a lot of people talking about Arkansas deer hunting. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: No, you don't. And uh, and I've I've been very interested in it because I have family that lives in Arkansas, and so um, and also you're 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 looking at a state that borders Tennessee, mm-hmm. which is a great deer state. Mm-hmm. Um, it borders Oklahoma, I think which is a good deer state, and then it also borders Missouri, which is an awesome deer state. Yeah. So when you look at that, you really are like, I mean, Arkansas should be freaking awesome. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I think it is. I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. Um, but we got you on here, not just for the fact that you are from Arkansas. Um, as I'm jacked about that. But uh, it's not every single Mm-mm. day that somebody – um, recommend, so I put out on a, a Facebook page called Arkansas Mobile Hunters, I think is the name of that page. I put a, a feeler out there, hey, we're looking for somebody for, from Arkansas for the Local legend series, who do you got? And somebody tagged you in that post, I think, maybe they sent me a message um, on there or something like that. But I remember looking at it and thinking, man, I don't know, this guy, typically with our Local legend series, uh, the guests seemed to be a little bit older. Normally, not not normally, yeah. old guys, but, you know, a little bit older. And at first glance, I'm like, ah, this guy's not very old. But as I started looking at it, I started really digging into, um, you know, mostly just creeping on Facebook and trying to find <laughs> something that showed me, like, hey, this guy is uh, legit. And what I saw seemed pretty legit. And so I reached out, and we got to talking. And you started sending me some uh, – uh, trail camera pictures and I was like, yeah we gotta we gotta get this guy on the show and um, upon learning more, I figured out that you really haven't been even doing the public land game for a really long time um, but you've already had a, a good amount of success with it and you're consistently on big deer. And so that's why I thought this is a valuable, um, episode in the local legend series, Drew, I I don't know. Is that kind of how you're, I'm excited for it
2: just because, of. um, there's a lot of guys that are like Josh and, and, and I'm in the same boat that are trying to speed up the process of transitioning from maybe, you know, private or lease ground to public and how you can get there quicker. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this one
1: for sure. So Josh, I guess starting out, man, just, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do for a living and how you got into this great sport. Well,
3: I uh, I'm currently a firefighter. I've been doing that for four years. Before that, I was a police officer. Did that for four years, and before that, I was an entrepreneur of jack of all trades, uh, master of none of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did some hunting stuff right out of high school. Took out a bunch of money, went in debt up to my eyeballs. Had some businesses that did good. Had some that failed. Uh, I've ended up blogging for Outdoor Life magazine, Uh, had my own magazine, had, you know, some different things that I was doing, but I had a passion for hunting. I always loved it and always felt like God put that in my life for a reason. And that's pretty much what I do right now. Um, I've always worked out too. That's always been a big part of my life. I've always been a really competitive person. And even in my, fitness and in hunting i i've always kind of thought outside the box and thought of ways to like like you're talking about speed that learning curve and uh cut corners but in a good way right you know i've I've always kind of questioned what people say and try to find out for myself in some ways that's good some ways that's not good i'm very stubborn but uh in hunting it has paid off and in fitness too so Mm. that's pretty much me i got um two kids got a stepdaughter and i've got a i've got an 11 year old stepdaughter and i've got a three-year-old of my own that is just <laughs> got an attitude a mile long <laughs> and a great loving wife that lets me go and hunt whenever i want to so that
1: helps heck yes. yeah that's yes. awesome that's awesome we're, yeah. we're lucky to have those two yes there. we are i don't know about whenever i want i don't know if that's in there all the Pretty time much me to. but I'll she's give her a that. she's a they're I'm telling you, man, women that put up with deer hunters, they're champs.
2: They're special breed, man. special know. breed. I
1: don't, hey, I don't know how uh, – it's like God just put this little thing like, and she's going to be married to a deer hunter, so we're going to give her a little bit more patience. <laughs> just a little yeah. bit. I <laughs> do think God definitely played a role in <laughs> yeah. connecting dots for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So I don't really yeah. know where else to, to start, you know, just as far as like um, – your hunting style and you know, the things that I I think are going to be, um, really beneficial for, for other people to hear. But, uh, I I guess the best place to start would be like when you first start, I, I guess we could talk about before you really made the transition to hunting, um, on public land, but what, what was your outlook on deer hunting beforehand? So you were in Arkansas, I'm assuming, and, um, hunting private land. How did that look for you? So um,
3: my dad and grandfather and his father, they were all big farmers in the area. Um, We had connections with uh, some private land and uh, I got pretty lucky early on. I mean, I've always had a sense for getting on on deer. I did very well whenever I was on uh, lease land. And um, I didn't really do like, it was different then because you had like certain places you could go. You Mm -hmm. couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. And I remember I got into, I I got a crossbow and I would always try to find, like I I would crawl in ditches in the wide open fields. And I actually shot a doe next to a culvert, like Mm -hmm. open rock. I mean, I got (laughs) stepping in there and shot one. Oh yeah. I did it my way. You know, like they put an end to that though. They didn't like me, you know, running around playing Indian with the deer. So, uh, I had to do, you know, for us, it was sitting in like a big box blind Mm -hmm. with little windows or whatever, and just waiting, putting out corn and stuff. I enjoyed that. I mean, it was fun, but that was all I knew, honey, you know, and that's kind of what you see on Mm -hmm. a lot of the outdoor media right now, you know, right. It's just good properties and managing food plots, putting bait out, sitting and waiting and checking your trail cameras. That, That was pretty much how I did it. And, um, I always thought, uh, public land was less desirable I and mean, that, you know, that was like for the peasants or something.
1: Let's talk about that yeah. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Cause I had the same idea. What was it that made you think that, like, was there something specific that you think like, this is why I felt that way.
3: I, I knew people that said they hunted over there, but never killed anything. One. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the proof in the pudding. So and, and two, it's also that the guys who were killing stuff weren't telling anybody. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, it was a big secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you heard stories about it being unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's like a war zone whenever you go out there, and people were just getting drunk and shooting everything that walked. It was like that scene in Bambi, whenever the hunter comes in there, they're shooting rat. <laughs> Everybody's crying, and Bambi's mama dies, whatever. <laughs> that's kind of the image of it that I had is like there's all these irresponsible people out there you know right. like I might get shot by little Wayne out there I don't know <laughs> but that was kind of the perception I had of it and that it was over hunted it was so over pressured, there weren't any deer there just pretty much it and I also didn't know how much land was available to hunt until I got on well actually my friend was the one who introduced me to it and um I think up until then I always wanted to go to like Illinois or something and, and go where the big deer were. And I actually, I, I almost started my magazine back whenever I was a police officer and my whole mindset was, all right, I'm going to start my magazine back. I'm going to, you know, get the money from that and I'm going to travel and go to these leases and outfitters and have them put me on some deer. Cause in my head, that's all it was. Like if you had the money, you could kill big deer. Right. That's the only thing that separated people from Killing big deer, and I was like, "Well, if that's the game I got to play, I got to get more money." Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, as a police officer, you're not gonna make a lot of money. <laughs> so, I was trying to find some way to incorporate my passion into killing big deer
2: right.
3: and making so I could fuel that thing. So, I uh my buddy actually, he's the one who introduced me to it. He's like, "Man, we ain't got to go to Illinois." He said, "These guys that I'm working with, they're over here hunting this public ground, so." let's just go take a look at it. So I took a look at it and right off the bat, man, we found some big rubs and stuff, big tracks. And I was just blown away. I was like, man, there's, there's some deer over here. And, uh, from there, I just, I knew that I could, I I didn't have to question it. I I knew that it was so far back where we went. And I kind of, we got lost that one time because we were looking at the big park maps and stuff and trying to find our way around i didn't know how to read a topo or anything then and uh i knew i was like you know what i'm i'm like i work out i'm athletic i have an extreme advantage over most of these other people i know that these guys that i've asked if they ever kill anything or whatever Mm -hmm. i can go back further than them like i've got A very big positive in my direction, right? You know, I can go and 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 get on some deer that other people may not be able to, or even mentally go there. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go two miles back in the woods. I'm not gonna do that. But I, I thought this is an advantage for me, Mm -hmm. and ever since then, I have really just loved it. I mean, I love hunting Mm public land. There's just nothing really better than it for me. I wouldn't want to go back to what I was
1: doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you find a lot of guys that are like that. They they kind of make it over that hump of the, um, you know, what you heard for your whole life. And almost like the things that you've heard are like, at some point, they become a driving factor mm-hmm. for you trying to learn this. You're like, you know what? This is what I've heard. This is what I've learned. This is what, what's been etched into my into my brain for my whole life, that p- public land, there ain't no deer. There ain't it, It's a war zone, whatever, all the things that you mm-hmm. just said. And... Eventually, you kind of come over this hump where you're you're almost like get over that, and it's like a totally different story. And all of a sudden, you're like all about this. And I I can't honestly tell you where that was at for me, um, but I definitely hit it because I was I was the exact same way as you, man. And I think a lot of guys find themselves like that right now. My friends, people that I know, that um, they're like, man, I don't, I just, I can't hunt that public land. I just there's
2: people everywhere. There's
1: people all over the place. And, yeah. and you're just like, if you can yeah. just get over that, then we might, you you might find something different. And it's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just yeah. totally true.
3: It's, to me, it's a rush because you have all this land that you can go and hunt. And you've got to eventually sit there and go, that's where I want to be.
2: next yeah. Yeah.
3: marks. That's what I'm betting on. That's what I'm assuming. I'm putting all my eggs in that spot that day. And whenever you kill something, it's just like, man, I could have been anywhere, but I chose to be right here, and I was right. You yep. know, like that's – to me, that's it, mm-hmm. you know.
1: It, it, I was talking to my dad the other day, and he, mm-hmm. uh, he's he got a little piece of property in East Texas, and um, he's getting into the whole saddle game, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. You know, he's uh, really getting excited about that and practicing that. And uh, we were just kind of talking about his different setups. mm mm-hmm. And his property's great. Like, it's a yeah. good piece of property. But he was talking about, you know, man, you just really have it really good having all that public land because you can really find areas for any situation, any scenario. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's exactly mm-hmm. right. I, I feel at a disadvantage whenever I'm seeing, um, like, okay, this is where you're allowed to hunt, and it's just little tiny private pieces. That's just, that just ain't something that I'm terribly interested in. And so, not at this point. Like, once I hit that middle, got over the middle hump, like, you know, I, I, I kind of find myself yeah. right in where you're at. Um, and you're talking about, you know, going, uh, going deep, like, you know, one of the biggest advantages that you have is that you're, you know, you're, you're fit, you're able to go and do some of the things that other guys are not able to go and do. And that's something that's been pretty important for you and valuable for you in some of your, some of your tactics and things. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, like, Uh, When you're looking at an area, um, are you always looking deep or are are there times when you're like, man, but I just think that that spot's a good spot? Or, you know, obviously for me, uh, I'll give you this example. For me, there's a lot of good spots out there, but personally, I don't really care to go find a spot that I can't get to with my kayak because that's just what I like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people like to just go deep. So how does that look for you?
3: i predominantly, if I'm looking at a new spot, I'm going deep and from there it could vary, but I'm, I'm going to start off finding the most remote place that holds deer. I'm not going deep just to go deep. You right. know, I want to have a reason why I'm going there. There's a terrain feature. There's something that I'm capitalizing on besides it just being far back and hoping that nobody's there. And then um, what, what I've been doing, and this has worked for me pretty well, is that you know, you know the season's changed. The the deer are going to act different in October, November, December, January. And what I'll do is if I'm going deep, but I notice something good on the way in, I'll put a camera on it. Um, I may hunt it, you know, I I may change it up as I go along. You know, I found a lot of good spots going back to those areas. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly looking when I'm going in and I'm just monitoring different things you know you can cover a lot more ground that way too i mean you're checking your cameras on the way in and you can see what's going on and you may not have to go all the way back there um but the one thing you know you're talking about the physical aspect of all this stuff too the funny thing is i actually tore my quad the first real year i was hunting back there Hmm. (laughs) and i remember walking all the way back Hunting, not seeing anything, and then whenever I checked my trail camera the next time, there were deer there. <laughs> like it just blew my mind. So, um yeah, I, I go far back, and I try to make myself as ready physically as I possibly can. But uh, I'm I'm open to stuff early on. You know, I, I've had places that we were talking before about scrapes that were um mm-hmm. really kicking off. They were deep back in the woods and stuff, and then all of a sudden they just kind of ninja vanished on me there's just no deer and I actually ended up going to a place that was really a lot closer than that had a lot more pressure and I was seeing a lot of deer and I was seeing a lot of people
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Mm so you know I I kept hunting over there I I had people all over me but I mean it it worked you know you can also play pressure to your advantage Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of cases too Um, a lot of people don't think about it but if there's a main gate or an access coming in, you can you can hunt that close to that because mm-hmm. there's, even if they're putting down a lot of boot rubber coming through that gate, they're all kind of going about a quarter mile, mile off the road. And I don't know if the deer just get used to that, that ground scent and it kind of just lowers their, I don't know, their reaction to it, I guess yeah. they're alerting it, but I've had deer right. Close to the gates i mean like right off the road and even put trail cameras up and i have video or not video but i have some pictures of guys walking in and then big bucks showing up later
2: yeah you know
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, and it I, specific, I think, specifically pictures of guys walking in with uh yeah. under, with thongs and and bras on <laughs> Only when they want to mess with me, I guess. It's a whole separate podcast, guys. Yeah, about. <laughs> That's a whole separate one. Hey, am I allowed to show this picture on on this? Or is there? Like, yeah, sure. Okay, we're not gonna bad. we're gonna find this picture so everybody can know what I'm talking about. Especially if you're watching the uh, the video version of this on YouTube.
3: I promise it's not my mad boyfriend. <laughs>
1: Then we might get flagged on YouTube for nudity. Censorship at its best. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh gosh. I'm sorry Josh, for that, y'all. Yeah, getting yeah. uh, into that
3: role right now with scaring people about public land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Our goal here was to get people to hug. Right now. <laughs> now, now they're done. So if you're just listening to the audio version, it's just a a, a man.
2: Now, Josh, you were you were talking about scrapes because that that's something we've talked about a lot. <laughs> you want to get off? The I subject? do. I, I I want you to close that picture. I can't I can't concentrate on <laughs> actually having a good discussion with Josh when when I got him over here. <laughs> and so you you're talking about scrapes, and that's something we've talked about a lot because I know. Here um we you know in in Alabama the I think the general consensus Parker you can you know say yes or no to it but we don't generally hunt over it just because of them um we don't see a whole lot of mature bucks there so can you t- kind of in the daytime in the daytime yeah. they they're there at night obviously can you break down what your scrape hunting that that tactic for you looks like do you do you make sure it's close to bedding or 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 what
3: uh you know, the, the scrape activity and I hunt like hill country
4: mm-hmm. and
3: then I hunt ag land, the ag stuff, the scrapes that are closer to the bedding produce a lot more. Mm-hmm. And like I said, on the hill stuff, the bedding could really be anywhere. It's right. like, it's a big thing of woods and a lot of it is real monotonous. It's really the same. So if you get a scrape in that area, most of the time, the the scrapes produce a lot more in the hill country than they do in the ag stuff, um, and, and I always say that because I think that the bedding is a lot easier to locate in the ag stuff than it is in the hill country. Sure. If you can find a scrape closer to the bedding, you're usually going to have a lot of you know better success. Um, and I think that if if you have if you have a trail of scrapes going somewhere, your best bet is just a figure out how they're accessing each one of those scrapes so you can have you know camera on each one or something you can kind of understand where they're going um i don't know if that answers your question Mm -hmm. very well but for me i have a harder time locating the bucks in agland than i do the hill country okay because it's it's just or i have a harder time hunting the scrapes in agland than the hill country okay and i think that's because well i say that but I, i did I did, um, I missed the buck off of a scrape and it,
1: I think they're more hit or miss
3: in an ag country than the hill country.
1: And do you think, do you think that has to do with, um, the concentration there there's in that, in that hill country type area, a lot of the time it's not, you don't have those concentrated areas. So mm-hmm. there's a little more spread apart. Right. Whereas in, right. the, in the ag land, it's a little more, you have concentrated areas within, you know, fields, and uh, you got soybeans and corn. So we just corn, more,
2: a ditch leading into a woodlot or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's the thing. With, with the hill
3: country stuff, if you get a scrape 90% of the time, it's going to be active in the daytime and at night. Mm-hmm. In ag country, you may get a scrape that's nothing but nighttime activity.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Usually whenever it's closer to food, it's more nighttime activity.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I don't know why that.
4: Yeah. It just is, yeah.
3: you know, it, I think because what I think is going on, I think those deer get kind of further back in the woods once season kicks in and they're kind of held up in some bedding that's off of the food more mm-hmm. or less. So if you can get closer to that area, you're going to pick him up on his trail early on before he gets up, and starts milling around. Yeah.
1: Well, we've talked about that a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's different types of scrapes there and, is. And there are definitely those scrapes that are going to be a little bit closer to bedding. Um, it, it's just so different, you know, um, because I would have never said
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, here where we're at. I don't think I would have ever said it anyway, at least not when it comes to mature bucks, that that active scrapes are um, daytime and nighttime mm-hmm. active. Yeah. Uh, just the majority of the time, I, I don't see mm-hmm. a lot of bucks. I don't see a lot of even young bucks on scrapes out here. Um, but I know those things vary um from region to region i yeah. mean uh the guys from the hunting public came down to alabama a couple years ago and they were jacked up about mm-hmm. hunting over a scrape and a lot of the guys who hunt public from alabama are like why did they do that they're not going to kill a deer there you know but <laughs> it, but i know things are things are mm-hmm. different in other places yeah. um i was watching uh, a john Eberhart video today uh where he was talking about his setup and there was basically just scrapes on the edge of a field. Yeah, And I was like, that yeah. would never Ooh. work here. Um, but it works in other places. It and does. so I think that that's, you know, we, we cover all of, we, we cover as much of the South as we possibly can. And so, you know, you got some states where that might be a tactic that really somebody could really benefit from. And then you've got other states where it might not be something that they really benefit from. But, but the focus here is that these are things that you have figured out quickly and put together pieces yeah. quickly yeah. to 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 you know like what you said take a shortcut on the learning curve not in a bad way mm-hmm. and uh, and so I think that's I think that's killer man like um, being able to put those pieces together that quickly is just really really impressive yeah. I think it's really cool.
2: and 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 also too Josh it, it just speaks to your wanting to learn I mean you. You you had mentioned earlier that you had you know you, you bought some of the books and you bought all the Dan Infault stuff and, and Arkansas is a really diverse state in the sense of just like you said you hunt ag and then in an hour you're you're on um on some hill hill stuff and so it just speaks to that dedication of you saying okay I'm going to learn as much as I can about hill country betting and then also ag land betting or um, ag land you know hunting. Um, I know here, we don't have to necessarily deal with that as much because we don't have ag. Not you know? a lot.
1: No, there's there's a few places, if you go, like, northern Alabama, where you can get into some ag. But, mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, uh, that's not really what we're what we're paying attention to. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would love to. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. love to be able to have more, but we just don't have it We just don't have lot. it. So, when I think of
3: Alabama, I think of, like, pine tickets. Yes. Just, yeah. like, everything. I drive through. That's
1: all I see is a bunch of pine trees. Yeah. <laughs> I you'll get it. There, you'll get, you'll get yep. pines. It We've will got... not
2: disappoint you. I promise you, you will get, you'll get pine <laughs> tickets.
1: Yeah. If, if pine tickets are your thing, you got plenty of them here. And that's like Alabama. You'll have like pine rows, mm-hmm. uh, like South, Southern Alabama. Uh, you get a little bit of that here. Um, it's a lot more where we're at more Northern Alabama. It's a little bit hillier. Like mm-hmm. you've got some, you've got some good inclines and, uh, some pretty rugged terrain mm-hmm. um, where we're at here, and and that's I mean, I really pay close attention to the uh, the hill country bedding mm-hmm. uh, tactics that Dan Infall talks about. I think that they work. I think it's different for different areas, oh. and I think you know, deer density plays a part. Uh, the presence of crops being anywhere close plays a big part, but pressure pressure is going to play a huge mm-hmm. part. And so I think. You know, all that stuff is great, but I want to know some more things, Josh, that you've done um, to help kind of shorten that learning curve Mm -hmm. for you. Right. Okay. So um,
3: talking about scrapes, I'll kind of tell you how I got into that. So I was, I, I studied up on all the buck bedding and I went out there and was busting my butt trying to find these beds and stuff. And I did find some. And I'd put cameras out and I wouldn't have anything on them. And I was going out there in the summer. Eventually, I had talked to enough of these guys that hunted public and they were like, man, you got to put a little bit of bait out, you know? And I was like, no, I ain't going to do that. But I was sitting there thinking like really hard about it. I was like, man, I'm just saying, finding nothing. I'm talking (laughs) about nothing on my trail cameras. And um, I was really distraught and I got on the Hunting Beast uh, Forum. And I was telling, like, man, I'm looking and looking, and what it was in the in the hill country, you have all these crops next to it, and all the deer are out in the crops. And every time they cut the crops, all the freaking deer come back in the woods, Mm -hmm. big woods, a lot of deer. It's like a big migration. So you don't have a lot of stuff going on. And that was something that I learned. That was a a history lesson about that area. So I keep that in the back of my head whenever Mm -hmm. I'm running, you know, trail cameras this time of year. But also, they were like, hey you need to put out some mock scrapes. Whenever I started putting mock scrapes out, I started getting deer. I started finding them. I was like, well, I can look for an area. I know what scrapes look like. I know what kind of areas they're in. They're in wide open areas. They're usually, there's some type of visual indicator for deer. They can see them. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that. I can make that connection. So I started putting scrapes out and um, I started getting on deer. Like really, I mean, quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I hunted a few places and um, didn't really get on anything. And then once I started putting those scrapes out, and this once I started hunting existing scrapes, I came back to an area that had a water hole one time and it was just tore up, it was rubs and scrapes everywhere. And I was like, man, I'm about to kill a deer here.
4: <laughs> I got up in
3: that tree and I saw about a 150, 160 class whitetail cruising down a. A ridge and i was recording with my phone Like, oh my god <laughs> and then uh, that was when i killed my first uh my first buck um but that was what you would really call a, a primary scrape area i mean it, it had three scrapes all within about a 20 yard circle
4: mm-hmm. and
3: lots of rubs and that spot was hot that year and then after that a lot of people got in there after that and kind of run the spot but then about two weeks later i killed another deer hunting over a scrape and I mean, it literally shot him I had a scent wick up on a uh, ranch that was kind of close to the scrape, and he was perfect broadside, nailed him. So it, for me, the scrapes, especially up in that hill country, like I said, they, it was an easy way for me to locate the deer that I wanted to hunt and also know what kind of deer were in the area. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't make sense for me to go around looking for buck bedding whenever the deer were chasing does and there was a lot of activity. And like I said, a lot of these deer, they move a long way, but if you can find a hub where they're coming to, that's also good too. I mean, I I know that a buck bed, you know, you're you're finding the center of that hub where he's going to get up and move, but that bedding kind of changes too. So you can pattern those deer with the scrapes. There's a lot of different things you can do with them. For me, I've just gravitated towards that a little bit more naturally than I have the buck bedding stuff. I still make a note of the buck bedding. Mm -hmm. So for hill country, I'll get on Google earth. I'll do the history. And what I found is that most of the bigger bucks they're in the select cut areas and you can go back and see where they've select cut that area Mm -hmm. and it's real thick. And I have a theory that those deer like to bed on the edge of that thick stuff more so than in it because it's like super thick Mm -hmm. and they like to look out over that open stuff so whenever i go into an area i'm looking at where that buck is going to be positioned at in the bed i'm just assuming that that's where he's at and i try to stay away from there and slip into some of my, my hunting spots so that's that's kind of how i hunt that heel area i look for the bedding i look for somewhere i can get far back and then i look for a way to access it And like I said, uh, when I go in, I'm looking for different stuff along the way that I might be missing. I put a camera on it and I let the camera tell me what's going on.
1: That's, uh, that's something that I have that, I mean, everything you just said is kind of a lot of what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of guys who are, you know, following along in a part of the hunting beast uh, that are hunting in a lot of areas in the South are, are kind of catering it to our area. Yeah. And and a lot of the, the scouting and finding the specific buck beds, um, and the, the the for sure one hundred percent there's a buck that's bedding right there. Um, I'm not doing that all the time. I'm similar to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of things. Now maybe I maybe that maybe I waste time doing that. I don't feel like I do, but it, it seems to be that once you figure out those consistent things, you know that make up a, a good bedding area or. Uh, a good bed place for a buck to bed once you start figuring out those consistent things then you can start assuming yeah and and you know he may not be there that day but maybe there's another one or
2: well we we, we've also heard from enough people that the um you know the dan Infault buck bed style doesn't necessarily work here but we take principles from that and just like you know josh just just like you're doing like you're you're finding his hub, which is his bed, but then you're also finding a, another hub where he's coming to. And, and that's what we find a lot here is that we, we're we not doing the buck bed, like right over him, he stands up, I mean, I shoot him right there. But more, more or less, we we catch him coming out of it, going to a destination spot, mm-hmm. and then we're shooting right. him there.
3: Right. And, and that's one thing, too. I mean, there's – I may not hunt that scrape directly, yeah, but – there may be a pinch point there may be a a ditch crossing and I try to put cameras on that not just because I'm going to hunt it but I want to see what's actually taking place Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm ADD I'm dyslexic I'm not the smartest tool in the shed (laughs) but those cameras don't lie to me right and I know what the deer are doing I want to know if my assumptions are correct so I can go back whenever I'm scouting and looking at an area I can go well I remember from this thing you know that This is probably what's going on because I've had a similar experience running a camera somewhere else.
2: Yeah,
3: I I come from the standpoint of if if I'm going to guess about it, I'm going to put a camera on it. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong, I want to know what's going on. Mm Yeah, just because to me that tells me what's going on in my area. You know, like you were talking about with Dan Impal, that might be totally different. Yeah, and I found out this year the deer over here on ag land are totally different than the deer on hill country. Mm -hmm. So I want to know. Exactly what's going on. I want to have data. I want to know if they move in certain weather conditions or not. You know, you hear a lot of debates about the moon and all this and that. So I'm I'm running my own studies. I want to do my own research so I can get on the deer here in my Mm -hmm. area.
2: Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's a good point because I know like I've been guilty of it in the past. Going oh, but this is it's the right moon they're going to move and then you go I'm sit out there. there and you're just like yeah man, nothing moved and you know and um and there's a lot of factors that go into that but um I like that, that that you're doing your own studies in your own area and just taking and pulling principles from other guys and applying it to your area I like that
1: yeah I think that's I think that's uh that's definitely you know something I I think a lot of guys can probably mm-hmm. do better at mm-hmm. is actually collecting data you know that because I mean, you're already going to be seeing the data unfold. You right. know, if you're running trail cameras, if you're right. scouting, if you're seeing deer on the side of the road while you're driving, mm-hmm. uh, you're sitting in a tree. You know, I yeah. mean, you've got all the things. All you got to do is write those things down. Uh, we talked to uh, Michael Perry mm-hmm. um, last mm-hmm. last year, or maybe it was maybe it was the first time uh, that we interviewed him on the podcast. Either way. We talked to him, and the guy, he puts everything in a journal, and that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's saying – does that too. At, yeah, Woolmick does – Warren Woolmick yeah. does that. Um, but Michael, I mean, he's going in, and he's saying, okay, this was – it was this moon on this day, blah, 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 I saw this buck. And he's using all that yeah, to get more of a mental understanding of what the deer yeah. in his area are doing. And so I think what you're doing, Josh, is, is really cool because um, – I mean, you want to talk about things that are shortening that curve, that's like it, yeah. for for a guy. It, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, is paying attention to the to yeah. the stats.
2: Josh, do you go back and cross reference weather with your I trail did. cams? Okay, yeah. could you could you give I, the listeners like I know for like us or me, I use Weather Underground. Um, um, so, can you just let some let, let some guys that are watching and listening know kind of how how that process works for you? Because that's a small detail, but it seriously speeds up this learning curve going going on the public.
3: Uh, I use Dark Sky.
2: Okay, and it's Never got a really
3: good free feature on it.
2: Okay,
3: uh, you have to pay for it, but hey, <laughs> pay for all kinds of stuff anyway. <laughs> What's money? What's money?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. it's it's for hunting yeah that's (laughs) right that's right that's right and money
1: again we say the women who marry deer hunters are a very special breed of woman that uh (laughs) that god gifted in their own yeah josh is writing magazines though to cover all this cost (laughs) we're not so we got to work on some stuff (laughs) you're definitely gonna spend some money yeah like if, if you if there's something you like you can tell what it is because that's what you spend your money. That's on. true. So you don't, you don't even want to know how much money I spent on crap this week. Just I've been yesterday. at the beach. I've been on the at the beach on vacation, yeah. and I've still spent a crap ton of money. Oh, anyway, <laughs> all right. So, so talking more about your uh, cross referencing weather. Dark
2: Sky is the uh, app. Okay,
3: what I use. I, I like it for some reason better than I, I did use Weather Underground for a while. Mm-hmm. For some reason I, I really don't remember why i switched to <laughs> dark sky i think it's because the app was just set up a little bit better for me it was easier it. to go back in the like if i was on in the field i could i could go back and dig up you know whatever day it was on the trail camera that i was trying to see what the deer was doing okay so when i go and check a trail camera i got a trail pad
2: mm-hmm.
3: that i can check video
2: mm-hmm.
3: like i run a lot of video for one because people don't rip your sd cores that way mm-hmm. out in the field right if there's, usually you know you can't hook it up to your phone and read the, the video right it's part of the reason it's kind of a deterrent and this guy's blinding me with his dang reflection
1: that's okay there's um, a lot more going by right now going so. by us right now and i'm like <laughs> what
3: in the world does that sound <laughs> um so yeah I'll, I'll go back and i'll, I'll reference things while I'm out there looking mm-hmm. at that trail camera. So if I got a big buck or something that was there a few days ago or something, I'll I'll pull it up on Dark Sky and I'll try to find it that way. That's a good
2: tip, man. That's concept. a good tip. Yeah, I actually yeah.
1: just I just okay. looked up Dark Sky on my uh mm-hmm. on my phone. I mean, here's the so anybody watching, here's the uh here's the app 3.99. Yeah. That's going to be the cheapest thing you probably buy for deer hunting. Yeah. For your yeah. whole life.
2: And then also Josh, you you mentioned the Google Google earth, um, history. I thought that was a good tip too. That's something I haven't done in a long time is going back and looking at those clear cuts. I like that too. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about Google earth,
3: you can also get on there and, and download uh, KMI files. I think it's KMI files. There's some kind of file that you can download. You can search like Cal topo topo maps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you can download those files and put them on there and it kind of give you a general idea of, the, you know, what's going on. Um, I know that on X is kind of, it's good. I mean, it's a good starting point, but mainly I use on X just to mark what I'm seeing out in the field. i take right. the pictures of grapes and I'll put it in the, in the on X app. But most of the research that I do for hunting is through Google earth. You know, I like to go back and see when it's been logged, uh, where the trails are. Mm-hmm. You can even go really far back and see different ditches. So it, it's kind of like you can, if you can see a high elevation and a ditch, then you know that you, you might have like a pinch point right there
4: mm-hmm.
3: and you could even set scrapes up and stuff along those lines to kind of force that movement. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll do things like that, um, try to find crossings and stuff. And, uh, one thing too, that I'll, I'll look for, um, as far as like the flat ground
4: mm-hmm.
3: and it, even in the hill country, I like to find areas that hold water late in the season but not in the summer okay wherever you find that you're gonna find some type of new vegetation and growth i'm not any type of freaking plant scientist <laughs> or anything like that but i know that there's different it, growth but
1: bot- botanist i don't know. yeah yeah I'm, I'm, Is that the right I'm not even gonna
3: try it man. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that but i knew if i said botanist it would mean something entirely different <laughs> <laughs> okay anal inspection. So I didn't, I didn't want to throw any big words out there because i didn't want to sound stupid uh, yeah i don't i don't know what all grows in there i don't know but everywhere there's water um late in the season and you can see the dates you know if it's december and there's a little flooded area and then you go back in september or something and you can see like a different mm-hmm. shade of green around
2: there yeah there's
3: usually some good plant growth in there that those deer are snacking on maybe bedding up in but everywhere that those areas are there's usually deer yeah like every every time i've found a spot like that it is tore up Hmm. you know it's
1: that sounds like it's always go ahead i was just gonna say that sounds like it's similar to you know what a clear cut does or what burning burning in the spring or burning in the in the winter does Mm -hmm. like it brings back those that fresh new growth new growth yeah that is mm-hmm. very beneficial for the wildlife. I mean, and they're all going to flood to it. It's basically, I mean, you hear Clear Cuts talking about as like big, thick, safe food plots. Yeah, They can just hang out in the middle of it all day, bed down, stand up and eat. Like yeah. it's That's yeah. pretty much what they are. And so I think uh, I think that's that's really interesting. It and is. Josh, what it sounds like uh, is really the things that you can, I guess, attribute to, to what we're talking about, shortening this curve, is um, going the extra mile, Mm -hmm. both physically and, um, you know, in this work that you're doing while you're sitting at home or whatever when you've got a few minutes to, I mean, Onyx is kind of standard at this point. A Mm -hmm. lot of people are marking things on Onyx and you look at Onyx, but the extra mile would be, okay, I'm going to go on to, something like Google earth, I'm going to look at historic maps yeah, and I'm going to find, I'm going to find the things that I'm looking for right there. And really not just going by what your onyx is telling you. It looks like right, right then or whenever that aerial photo was taken, but going and looking at the past. Yeah. And um, I think that's, I think that's, that's awesome. I mean that to me, it just seems like that's kind of your, well, that
2: that's actually something we've seen in all the local legends. It's something that every every good deer hunter that kills the quality of buck that, that you do, Josh. And I mean Parker was showing me some some pictures, man, and they're some hammers. I mean, they're great, great bucks. And but every everyone that we've talked to, that's been a theme. It's hey, I'm I'm going the extra mile, I'm doing the little things. I'm very um, most of the guys are detail oriented in the sense of they are doing their own studies, they're putting their own cams out. Anything else that, that you got that, that maybe could help a guy out, shortening the curve? Um, I will say that um,
3: you got to be a little bit witty out there. You, you're not just hunting deer. Mm-hmm. You're hunting people too. Okay. So always be aware of the pressure that you're going to encounter. You know, for me, I, I go really far back, and I try to find areas that were landlocked. But in the process of doing that, I've found out that there's another problem, and mm-hmm. that's people that have that land next to it, Yeah. that ride four-wheelers, that put yeah. bait out, that have box blinds and stuff back there. So you've got to be able to protect your trail cameras and stuff like that. Um, and I've found a few ways to do that. And what I'll do is I'll get a little Wi-Fi antenna, and I'll get some steel putty, and I'll glue that on my uh, trail cameras, and that's just one way that I keep people deterred and away from it. I also get uh, laptop locks. Put that on the back of my trail camera and I'll mm-hmm. carry a key and lock them up. But that cell antenna is a big deal because I, I the light bulb for me didn't go off until I, I had this ridge that was... I think I had to walk three or four miles to get back to this ridge and I had like five cameras on it. And I just knew it was going to be a good spot. It was, you know, you couldn't get to it easily by water or anything. I mean, you had to make the walk and you had to go over the ridges and stuff. And that's one other thing too. You just because it's far away, doesn't mean it's hard to get to. If you're looking at a spot and it's like, God, I don't want to do this. (laughs) That's a good sign because everybody else is feeling that too. Yeah. So anyway, I'll go all the way back there and I check these cameras and before I, well, before I get to the cameras, I run into a guy and he's in a ghillie suit <laughs> and done rode a four wheeler back there and everything. And I, he said, Man, how the hell did you get back here? I was like, I walked. What do you mean you walked? So I walked from the main road. Was like, Damn, you're hardcore. I was <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I am. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> he already killed a deer that morning and showed me the deer and everything. He said, man, we got some guy that's kind of, you know, he is what he is, but he, you know, he was complaining about trail cameras being on his road over here. Long story short, they took all my SD cards. And the only one he, he asked me, he said, do you have a cell cam over here? He said, I saw one that had some orange on it. What I did is I had an orange zip tie on it because it wasn't taking video. And I made a note on the back of the, zip tie that it wasn't running video so when i got out in the field i wouldn't set it on video and forget so it had a little orange thing on it he thought it was a spy point camera which because it had that orange on it and uh that was the only one that didn't get stolen Hmm. and it just made the light bulb go off i was like these guys are scared they're gonna get their picture taken so i go through now and the ones that aren't even cell cams i'll put antennas on them just to deter that very thing from happening
2: I've never heard that, man. That's, that's pretty, that's creative yeah. right there, man. That
3: is creative. I don't like that crap. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's, you know, everybody does their own thing out in the woods and that's, that's fine. But man, I can't stand somebody stealing my stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Damn, that's good. <laughs>
3: I just hate
1: that. That's actually a pretty good point. Like, I'm just going to put some little bunny ears on here. <laughs> Make it.
3: <laughs> Make think twice, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah. made not they can shoot it if they want to but they didn't. <laughs>
1: that's that's pretty awesome. So let's talk a little bit about this and we don't have to spend a ton of time. You know, we're running running close to time, but let's talk a little bit about your fitness stuff and uh, is there like a certain is there a certain thing that you're doing? Let me ask you this first. Was was hunting a, a thing for you that inspired you to get into better shape or was that always something that you've done
3: it's always something that i've done i've always i've been doing that just as long as i have hunting it's not something that i don't know if i, I mean I'm, I'm very consistent with it i do it all the time um it's kind of like a release for me but whenever i started hunting i started going from a standpoint of okay this is my This is it. Like I may not know as much as Dan Impaught. I may not have all the knowledge. I don't have the experience, but I'm in better shape and I can get back there further. If anybody should be back there hunting those deer that are off by themselves, it's me. Mm -hmm. So mentally and physically, I'm going to have that mindset that I'm not going to let anything stop me from where I want to go. If there's somewhere, if there's a ridge I want to get to, I can get there. And I'm constantly pushing myself to do that. And, and I know that sounds kind of weird because it's not like we're elk hunting or something like that. But like I told you, I, I tore my quad. And for me, that was kind of the wake up call that, you know, I may be able to squat, you know, 400 pounds or whatever. But it doesn't really help me whenever I slip in a mud hole with a big climber on my back, 80 pounds on my back and all that weight, sh- weight shifts on my leg. And it it finds the weakest link in my leg. So I tore my quad doing that, and I was like, man, I've got to do a little bit different stuff. i got to incorporate some different things. So it's, it wasn't necessarily that my whole training changed. I probably did a little bit more cardio and stuff, but I did incorporate some things differently because after that, it was – I didn't stop hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, the next day, I went further than I did that day. I tore my leg. And I ended up falling three or four times just flat on my foot i mean it was horrible, but mentally I needed to do that because i wasn't i wasn't gonna stop i mean it was like october
1: <laughs> i, I, I like your remember. i like your word your words there I needed to do that i needed to do that i needed to do i that. had to yeah. i mean it,
3: it hurt and I was hobbling but i i couldn't i knew I could do it yeah, and I just had to prove it to myself yeah. And that was actually the day that I went back and didn't see anything. And then the next day, there were bugs there. <laughs> but I, I needed to know that I could I could keep going. And, you know, that I wasn't going to let a physical thing stop me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So, for me, it's, it's a mental thing. It helps me process, you know, going through the pain and the torture of everything. I mean, I try to train out in the heat. I try to get used to it. So it's not a shock to me whenever I get out there because I don't want to be discouraged whenever I'm looking at that map and I'm like, man, I really want to get back here, but I really don't feel like getting back mm. here. So that for me is what I'm always trying to to do because you might have a spot that's a little bit better than this one and you really think you might need to go there, but you might take the easy road
2: Yeah, and I'm guilty
3: of that too, but I want to make sure that when that time comes, it's not because I'm being lazy, mm. you know, like yeah. it's because it's a, strategic, data-driven decision that I'm going there yeah. and want to
1: hunt them. That's so, that's so good. It's. It I mean, is. it's grit is what you're talking about. It's just having grit. And, um, I mean, I, all you can do, all a guy can do, uh, like for me right here, all I can do is kind of relate this back to my own personal experiences, and I think other people are doing that as well. Um, uh, things that you have grit in. The the first time, Drew, you went on a kayak hunt, your thought was, with me was – don't drown. Yeah, this like it was kind of hard, right? Oh, yeah. Like it was kind of like like you do that and you're like, the first time you're like, oh my god, I don't, I don't think I can do that again tomorrow. That's just it's just a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things to it, mm-hmm. and um, that's not saying Drew sucks or anything like that. That's just it's just part of it. I've
2: <laughs> I mean, well, my God, just Josh, he he about drowned me. I mean, so <laughs> we, we won't talk about that though. But, we won't talk about that.
1: But what what it is is like. I do it every single time. Right. The same way that Josh, the way that you, you know, you're, you're going in there and you're working out in the heat and you're doing those things. And like, when you do those things, it almost doesn't get harder. It gets a lot easier. You just kind of, it becomes the norm waking up to go to work.
2: It's a new normal. Every day isn't,
1: isn't fun for anybody, but eventually you just get used to it. It becomes normal and you adjust. And so I think, I think guys can do that with anything whether it's their access um you know the route that they take to get to a spot it can be very tempting to go through a spot mm-hmm. because it would be faster to get right. there but if that's not the best route if that's not the best route right. to go you could yeah. be just wasting your time well, when and you could have just made yeah made a valuable and smart decision of going around right. that area
2: and, and and not just even an access i mean dragging a deer out of the woods is about the best worst workout of all time you know i mean going <laughs> up ridges down ridges yeah. you know um we've all been like we we've shot them before got to the top of the ridge and just let them roll down it because you're like i ain't, I ain't doing that. Yeah. you know and so but even packing a deer out you know there's if you walk two miles in you i mean i would at least want to pack 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 it out but i know some guys drag but it's just having that mental that mental fortitude to say okay I'm I'm gonna set my mind to something and I'm gonna do it. Yeah.
3: yeah. I don't worry about dragging them out at all. Because if I if I shoot a deer, I'm like, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. I'll be all night dragging it out one leg at a time if I have to. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> It's kill the deer first. Kill the deer first. Figure out how that's you're right. gonna get it out later. That's right. That's right. But think... you're
3: right. Talking about that access, that's a big thing. I mean, if you keep walking, you know, the same trail yeah. every time going in there. <clears throat> Not going to be the, the same hunt. I mean, it, it may be the same hunt if you're not seeing anything, but if you can go around and and take the hard route, usually you can mm-hmm. capitalize on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that little mental, like we were talking about, that little switch where you're like, "Man, I'm doing what's best. I'm not doing what's best for my, you know, my laziness mm-hmm. or yeah. what's easiest. Yeah, but I'm doing best to kill a deer today. Yeah, and that to me. It's one of those little things that people like, ah, it's just you walk in there and you shoot one. It's not, I mean.
2: I, I wish it was that easy.
3: Work for some people and that happens on some, you know, sometimes that happens. But for me, I'm, you know, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Every right. time you're hunting, you're not spending time with your family. So I really want to make sure that every hunt I go on, I'm doing the best I can and I'm in the best spot I think I should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good, man. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Solid. Like solid, I think solid. I think anybody listening to this right now can if nothing else gain that little bit, you know, especially especially people who are new who maybe, you know, Josh, I, if you're anything like me, like there were there were things that I learned that were so easy and they were just common knowledge to a lot of guys mm-hmm. that eventually when I learned it I'm like, "Oh my gosh, why did I never know this? And those those yeah. little access things like that can be, can be can, they can make or break a hunt every single right. time. You know, I, if you're and if you're not used to public land, um, if you're used to to hunting on private land, yeah, um, you know, private is is a little bit different because a lot of times you're walking, you know, you've got four wheeler trails cut that go straight to mm-hmm. the shooting house, and um, you just kind of get trained in. In that, you just take the path of least oh, yeah. resistance, yeah. you know. Yep. Um, but even that is not always the best option, Mm-mm. you know. And so, I think, I think you, you start to learn these things. You start to put it together. Yeah. I think that's that's really cool. So, well, man, Josh, dude, we really do appreciate you coming on the yeah, show man. and talking about this. I, I really, um, I really think this this episode is obviously very different from the majority of our uh, local legend series. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it, it's very beneficial for a lot of people who. Yeah um are trying to do exactly what you are doing successfully and and that is just just like shortening this this learning curve it's
2: something we've never actually talked about Mm -mm.
1: no we really haven't yeah we really haven't there's there's guys out there who have done a very good job of it yes Um, andy may is a a guy that i was i was just sitting here thinking about it Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you know who andy may is josh but he is he's a stone cold killer he hasn't been hunting his whole life mm. and he goes and he he shortened that curve just by being very very aggressive yeah and i think that that's uh that's similar what you're doing uh josh and so man tell us uh tell us where everybody can can find out more about you i know you've started a youtube channel recently um tell us where we can yep. we can learn more i'm uh, i'm working on a
3: website right now it's ihuntpublic.com. if you go there it's gonna have a bunch of Elsa videos and stuff, but what I'm trying to do with that is create a network of public hunting content. And I've been working on it for four months and finally realized that I'm not a coder. (laughs) So I'm coming out with a very basic version of what i wanted. So I'm gonna have that up before too long. And then you can go on YouTube and find I Hunt Public, all one word, or find me on Facebook with uh, Josh Bell. Well, that's cool. sweet,
1: man. Well, dude, again, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming yeah, on Yeah, thanks the show. for coming on, man.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I mean, you know, that's... One of the things is I have really don't have as much success as a lot of these other guys have. I've blown it a lot, and I'm learning from that. But mm-hmm. I really appreciate you guys, you know, doing an interview with me, considering I don't have a lot of deer that I'm holding up, you know? Like, I, I just... This year's going to be different. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I've killed some deer, but not like some of these other guys have. So to be included with them, I really do appreciate y'all including me and wanting my perspectives on things.
4: Yeah, man. And I oh, man. hope
3: I hope that if there's anybody out there that needs some pointers about just getting started and some of that stuff, then they can reach out to me and I'll be glad to talk deer
1: hunting. Probably more so than my wife would want me to. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, you have a good one. All right, y'all. Well, that is going to be it for this episode of the southern ground hunting podcast thanks to josh for coming on the show uh, we had a blast loved getting to talk to that guy he was uh he was fun to talk to and, and not only that but um just you know some of the the tactics and the strategies that he's using um as a fairly new public land hunter to the point where other people in his state are noticing it and they're saying hey this is the right guy for you for this series uh, i just thought that was really cool and i hope, I hope you guys learned something through that episode if you did learn something and if you enjoyed it feel free to leave us a five-star review on apple itunes uh if you got like a two or three star i've said in the past like just go ahead and put that on there don't worry about it don't waste your time but if you want to give us a five-star review i will greatly appreciate that so uh with that being said you guys have a great week we will talk to you next week right here for part four of local legends And if you're going to be out in the woods remember that god gave you dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beast of the earth so go out and exercise that dominion we'll talk to you next time